It's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. It is Sunday. It is a big Sunday. Later tonight, Allegiant Stadium. National eyes turn to the Raiders as they host the Kansas City Chiefs at Allegiant Stadium off the Las Vegas Strip. A massively huge AFC West matchup. Good morning, everyone. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you. Silver and black today. Game day only on the fan here in Las Vegas. Thanks for being with us, whether you're on the East Coast, the West Coast, somewhere in between or international. We appreciate you being with us to talk about Raider football. Well, another tough week in Raider Nation. That is Damon Arnett is gone. That's right. The 2020 draft class continues to get worse. Could it be any worse? I don't think so. Uh, as the Raiders, after the Ruggs tragedy this this last week, then have to deal with cutting their former first-round draft pick in Damon Arnett. And, Mo, it's hard to sugarcoat it. You know, we want to talk about football on this show. We want to talk about Raiders. We want to talk positively when we can. But the reality is 2021, you thought 2020 and COVID was a year you want to forget. The Raiders still stand pretty well in the standings at five and three but man it has been a mess all around this club yeah i said this on twitter i if you if i told you all the things that happened during the Raiders season up until this point and told you they would be five and three would you believe me <laughs> no way <laughs> and the answer is like he says probably no but it's they're still five and three and they have a big game tonight against the chiefs and they can go six and three and still have a good shot at making the playoffs but we talk about the 2020 draft class basically you have Brian Edwards left, who's inconsistent, shows flashes, but not there yet. I believe he didn't have a catch, I don't believe, in the last game against the Giants. Uh, you got John Simpson, who's an okay starter, still developing. Uh, I would say borderline starter. I, I wouldn't say you pencil him in next year as your as your guard if you can find an upgrade. Amik Robinson is basically a backup at this point. Uh, a lot of people know how I feel like, about Amik. I, I think he could still be a good football player, but he's just not close to being there yet. He's pretty mm-hmm. much a backup. So you're looking at Brian Edwards and John Simpson as being your two impact players from the 2020 draft class, your third rounder and a fourth rounder. And I'm looking at the class right now and just seeing that the top three picks are no longer on the team is just devastating. Yeah, not only that, I mean, the Henry Ruggs thing, who would have who would have been able to even guess what happened with him and the, the terrible, yeah. terrible tragedy and his just horrible decision that now he has to live with the rest of his life and the family of Tina Tintor has to live with the rest of their lives as well without their relative. But the, the Ruggs thing, then you have Damon Arnett, we talked about. Lynn Bowden Jr. never played a down for the Raiders. Brian Edwards, not consistent. And of course, as I joked about on our Friday show down in Southern California, Mo, Tanner Muse, the greatest Raider to ever play the game. I know, once a Raider, always a Raider. Um, <laughs> go on. John Simpson, Amik Robertson, as you mentioned. I mean, Mo, that coupled with 2019, yes, you have you have Josh Jacobs. I like Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs can't stay on the field. Then you have Jonathan Abram, who was trouble last year, is doing much better in his role this year. So I'm, I'm glad to say that there's a positive there. 
But I don't know that both those guys see their num- their second contract with the Raiders. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it right now. Then you go to 2018, Reggie McKenzie's still there. Colton Miller is the, the guy that sticks out to me the most, has done well. And to your point, I think you made on Friday, yes, there's a couple guys, but Mo, you cannot miss that much. You can miss occasionally, and maybe even one guy a draft, as long as it's not your first pick all the time. But this this kind of... Uh, track record for the Raiders over the last three drafts is brutal. Yeah, it's brutal when you look at the 2020 class, and I would say the 2019 class is okay. You know what the problem with the 2019 class is? If Cleveland Farrell was an impact player, you would say... Cleveland Farrell. Yeah, pretty pretty damn good class. Then you would say, oh, no problem. We can deal with, you know, Mullen being hurt, Josh Jacobs not being uh, completely healthy all the time, or Jonathan Abram having holes in his game, but improving. We can deal with that. But because the Raiders missed on that pick the number fourth pick in the draft and people will say well just imagine max crosby was the number four pick and cleon farrell was the fourth rounder well <laughs> cleon farrell can't even get on the field so right. he's not even worth that right now yeah but because they missed on that top pick you're just kind of looking at that 2019 class like it could have been so much better if they had hit there and i just wanted to, just a quick tidbit i remember when after the draft when uh 2019 when the raiders made that pick Vic Tafer came out and said that the Raiders did not like what they saw in Josh Allen's character. Because a lot of people saying, why didn't they get Josh Allen? I remember Vic Tafer saying or writing that the Raiders felt like he didn't have enough dog in him Mm. as far as Gruden and Gunther were concerned. So that's why they went with the foundational player with high character foundational player and Farrell, who's a fit for Gunther. But as you can see, not much production. So when it comes down to it, I don't think Raider fans want to hear the word character anymore. They want players who can who can contribute right away and play football and help this team win playoff games. And now, of course, there are some character issues you have to weigh with Damon Arnett. But, you know, you want football players who can contribute and help this rebuild move forward. And the Raiders just are not getting enough from their young players, but they are getting a lot from their free agents. No, they are getting a lot from and, – and that's the thing. I'm not saying – look, we're, we're talking about the, the massive miss – that was 2020 here. That's not to say that the Raiders don't have positives. We're not we're not here to just crap on top of this team, although they do certainly deserve some of that because of what's happened with not only their draft capital, but what's happened with some of the free agent acquisitions they made in previous year. That is not the case this year. We've seen Denzel Perryman. We've seen uh, all sorts of players come in here and do uh, great things and for this team to get them to five and three. So, so it's not that you should feel discouraged about this Raider team overall. It just, to me, makes it hard uh, for me to look at a guy that I really like. I really like Mike Mayock. Uh, and I know John Gruden was the prime decision maker when he was with the Raiders and, and with many of these decisions. But Mo, Damon Arnett was a Mayock guy. Uh, and he's going. He's the guy left in the building that's going to have to answer for whether or not this team makes the playoffs. And then looking at the totality of the draft picks, he's the guy left holding the bag no matter who made it. Yeah, absolutely. And he owned it. He in that press conference, he said basically he missed on the 2020 class, mm-hmm. kind of owned up to the Damon Arnett, not kind of he did own up to the Damon Arnett pick. And again, he they felt like they can help Damon Arnett, the player and the person they knew about his character concerns coming out of Ohio State, but they felt like he would straighten up. And Mayock said I, he still believes that Damon Arnett could be a solid player in the league, just not now, not with the Raiders. Now, as far as the 2021 class is concerned, I think that's going to be the sticking point with if Mayock stays or not. If we see guys like Trayvon Merrick, uh, step up in the second half of the season, make some more impact plays. If Alex Leatherwood continues to improve, they talked about Malcolm Kuntz getting in the action. We'll see if he gets mm-hmm. in and makes some plays. 
Uh, Nate Hobbs, as we know, is pretty pretty good at his position in the slot. Probably one of the better slots, rookie slots, or overall slots in the league right now. Even though he had some mistakes, he is a rookie, but he has exceeded expectations. If that 2021 class shows enough promise, I think he gets another year still. Yeah, and and and, and again, we go back to the free agent class this year. The guys that have been added, um, right? And Casey Hayward Jr. I talked about uh, Perryman. Um, and oh, by the way, do you remember KJ Wright? <laughs> remember KJ Wright? <laughs> Yeah, I remember oh, that boy. guy. I oh mean, my gosh, I thought he was going to have a bigger impact. I know he's had some some he was banged up a little bit, but still. But anyway, my point was that uh, Mike Mayock, I, I really believe, uh, did have a lot to do with that class, right? So yes, John Gruden was the decision maker at the time, but I do think that uh, that 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 team, as far as the scouting department about Mayock and Gruden together, they went out and it was easy, right? Because you had Gus Bradley, you went out and got Gus Bradley guys on defense. But Kenyon Drake is another move we talked about and, and we talk about every week because we want to remind everybody we told you so. But nonetheless, <laughs> those those guys have made a huge difference. Without those free agents, had they not upgraded, if you had the same uh, type of free agents you had last year, and the, as far as performance goes, this team would be in a much different position. So I'm not, I'm not in any way poo-pooing Mike Mayock and some of the great things he's done. I'm just saying that it's it, for most executives in the league to overcome two straight classes like that where you have an okay class a couple guys pop out of another class and then you have a disastrous class like that with all that draft capital will not come back you don't get that number of picks because you traded Khalil Mack there was all sorts of moves that they made to get those picks and that's why there's such value now you have one or two a, a year that don't work out that's fine but if you have a top a top two especially round pick that pops then you're good um I'm just concerned he's gonna have I, I really think this team's gonna have to make the playoffs will he get another chance I don't know man it's it's gonna be rough because um the NFL is not forgiving when it comes to not being able to execute on draft picks, especially when you've been known as the draft guy throughout your career. Absolutely. And I think, and I know Raiders fans don't want to hear excuses and this is not an excuse, but looking at what the Raiders have been through throughout this whole season. Now the, the tragedy had John Gruden resign, resigning, uh, Damon Arnett getting released, which is on Mayock. But I think some of the hardships outside of his control could save him a bit and they could say mm. well if the raiders finish nine and eight but don't make the playoffs but they finish with a winning record and it looks promising toward the end i think mark davis could possibly give mike mayock another chance because remember he held on to mckenzie through multiple losing seasons yeah people forget this mckenzie was hanging around and he had he his win percentage was terrible yes and mark davis kept him around so i don't think he's going to be quick to boot Mike Mayock, if it if he shows at least that it's heading in the right direction. Now, I know it's going to be hard to say that if they don't make the playoffs for fans because that's what they're waiting for. But I think Mark Davis is going to look at the big picture and say, where is this headed? Is it headed in the right direction? And if it is, then we'll keep them all for another year. Well, and the other thing, too, and, and I've not other than obviously the, the comments that were inappropriate and whatnot that got John Gruden fired from the Raiders. I haven't talked a lot about this, but you have to look at the culture too, right? We, we saw last year, remember all those problems with COVID protocol? And I know we're not going to get into the Aaron Rodgers garbage right now. But, and, and I agree that he's being treated differently than the Raiders did last year when they had a bunch of violations. But the Raiders had all those violations. They had guys that were hanging out together, going out when they shouldn't have got out. And I was very critical. I mean, I was on Raider Nation Radio. I was on the team's flagship station at the time. And I was being critical because I didn't think they had an excuse when I heard fans say, oh, what about the Titans last year? No, there was something. I really believe it, Mo. I really believe that John Gruden, the culture that he had there, 
was not necessarily the best and most positive culture for a young player. I really don't. And so what ended up happening is you saw all the junk last year with that stuff, with protocol breaking and, and obviously the Lynn Bowden Jr. thing getting traded and, and, and rumors of trouble there. Uh, and then you see it carry over with these guys into this year and some of the things that had happened. I'm, again, I'm separating the rugs thing. That's a whole different issue. But with Arnett, we had heard all the things about him last year. And now, too, by the way, why did all this stuff about the rental cars? So, so people report that after the guy's cut? Why? <laughs> that, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't ever reported before. Why not? And so that's it, a, it seems like. It, it really quick. It seems like that was kept on the hush until he yes. got, until he got released. Yeah, no, it was, and and so to me, that's that's fairly interesting as well. Um, but but nonetheless, I, I think I think the culture will change. I think Mike Mayock. I mean, I'm just going off his demeanor and and what I've seen him do. I think he's he will have the opportunity for the rest of the season. Him and Bisaccia, who I know has already done it, they have an opportunity to kind of mold that culture differently and to take it down a notch. It's it's just like we heard the players say after Gruden left there was nobody screaming at refs on the field uh they could relax they could do this and they did play better so 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 perhaps that's what we're going to see with mike mayock and perhaps that's how he earns his job for next year is to say listen we kind of had some toxicity here okay now we're going to take that toxicity out and we're going to create it that means we cut our first round draft pick and maybe maybe they maybe mayock wanted to do it earlier maybe players maybe coaches wanted to get rid of him earlier and john gruden let him we'll never know for sure but i i do think that these bold moves the opportunity to kind of press the reset button a little bit and say hey look we we made mistakes but now we're correcting a midterm because we can get this team to the playoffs if we continue to play well and give them the environment they need. Here's the quick problem with Mayock staying on. And, I, and again, I'm a Mayock guy, but here's the problem. If Mayock is, is there for the 2022 draft and he talks about character again, people are going <laughs> to raise their eyebrows like, really, Mayock? Yeah. Can we really trust your word on this character thing? Right. Now, if he goes the other way and disregards character, they're going to say, well, you had, you know, you had Henry Ruggs. And again, I'm not saying Henry Ruggs was a character issue. He had no stains on his record coming right. out of Alabama. But they're going to point to Henry Ruggs. They're going to point to Damon Arnett and saying, you should be looking at character and captains because you had some problems with your roster last year. So I think he, if he stays on, he's in a no-win situation until his draft class produces at a high level. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, I, and I, that's why I could never understand. Now, we, 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 we saw this week, Mo, that uh, uh, OBJ signs with the Rams, right? And, you know, I couldn't believe all with all that was going on with this Raiders team. Uh, that people people <laughs> wanted to sign the drama queen. They wanted to sign him. And then I even heard people say, well, no, back in the day, we used to take the outcasts. No, that's not how it worked. You're, you're glamorizing it in a different way, in a different time, and for different issues. When they took John Matuzak, or they took somebody, oops, sorry. When they took, <laughs> that was crazy, my phone. Um, when, they, when they took, when they took um, those guys, let me start over. When they took guys like John Matuzak or they took um, players that, that had had issues in other places, they did, but it wasn't a situation where people were dying. It was a different time, a different era, right, Mo? And to me, people losing or people not understanding that difference uh, is why we saw people talking about OBJ, let's go get him. But that would have been a disaster. And Mike Mayak would have, t- would have not touched that guy with a 10-foot pole. 
No, I mean, look at the drama that happened as he was signing with the Rams. People were wondering, was he signing with the Rams? Is he considering the Packers? Exactly. I mean, look look at how he exited out. I mean, I'm in New York, so I know his exit from New York wasn't great. And as we saw it play out with Cleveland, his exit in Cleveland wasn't great with his dad putting a, a video on Instagram about all the times Baker Mayfield missed him on a pass. Can you imagine if, <laughs> if, if Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad does that to Derek Carr, what Raiders Twitter would turn into? It would oh. be a civil war. Yes, it would be. And, and that's my point. Look, I understand Raider fans. Let's get better. Totally on board with you on that one. And I think they did with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and in about the minute and a half we have left, uh, Mo, let's talk about that because you wrote a great piece about him up on the website. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, he's not OBJ. He doesn't have two injured shoulders. Uh, but but talk about what he's going to be able to do. Um, is he an adequate replacement for Henry Ruggs? The coincidental thing is here, a lot of people compared Henry Ruggs to Deshaun Jackson when he was <laughs> coming out of Alabama because – I think even at 34 years old, Deshaun Jackson can still do what Henry Ruggs did for that offense. Now, he's not going to be a number one receiver. The Raiders don't need one to have Darren Waller. When the Raiders have operated at their best on offense, Henry Ruggs is getting three to four catches a game. I think Deshaun Jackson can give you that with a 50-yard, 60-yard catch here and there. And that's all you really need out of him. You don't need him to get seven catches for 125 yards. That's not what Henry Ruggs did. And that's not what they need from Deshaun Jackson. You need someone who's going to stretch the field and make it easier for guys like Waller, Hunter Renfro, and the running backs to catch out of the backfield on those short to intermediate routes. Yeah, no doubt. And then that's the thing. Derek Carr, by the way, who is on pace to come close. Now, car haters, car haters, I know you're out there and I know you're listening. <laughs> there is help, okay? There is help for you. But I want you to know that Derek Carr, and I know it's all hypothetical at this point, but through the nine games, He's on a pace to come within 20 yards of Peyton Manning's all-time season passing yards record. Yes, you heard that right. So can you imagine, Mo, if he hits that mark and the Raiders don't make the playoffs or the Raiders make the playoffs? I think there's some people out there who would blame him for not making the playoffs, even though he sets an NFL record. And then if he made the playoffs, it wouldn't be because he set an NFL record and he played, he played so well. So we know how that goes, right? You, you just never it. win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have the stat, you'll have the stat guys on one side, and you'll have the same guys saying, "Well, it's a team game. Yeah. It's not all Derek Carr's fault." On the other side, that's what you're going to get. That's what you would get. Yeah, but I think later today, Mo, down at Allegiant tonight uh, on national TV, you'll see Derek Carr back in form. You'll see Derek Carr. I don't know how big of a game Deshaun Jackson will be because he's learning the offense. He's stepping into it now, but they are going to go to him. They're going to use him at the very least, like Rugs was many times last year. He'll be a decoy. He'll stretch that defense out. You'll see Darren Waller. You'll see Hunter Renfro, even Foster Moreau. I'd love to see them do two two tight end sets, which we saw a little bit, but we haven't seen enough of in my view. So it'll be real interesting. Uh, all right, Mo, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by our good friend Matt Verderam. He is a fan-sided NFL reporter. He's going to break down the Chiefs for us. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Silver and Black today. Game day. That's right. Game day. Game night tonight. Sunday night football. The Chiefs and the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this message. Where the nation rallies every week of the NFL season. It's Silver and Black today. Game day. 
All right, welcome back to Silver and Black today, game day here on The Fan in Las Vegas. Momo and Scott Branson with you. And now we're going to switch focus. We're going to talk about the Raiders game later tonight against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, the hated rival rolls into Las Vegas into Allegiant Stadium for Sunday night football. And joining us to do that is fan-sided NFL writer, national NFL writer, also uh, writes about the Chiefs. Matt Verderam is with us. Matt, welcome to the show. And let's start overall with this Chiefs team. Overall, you know, Raider fans are, are relishing in the fact that the team is 5-4, and four, that they haven't looked so great on defense. What's been the overall reason why this team is maybe underachieved in the minds of not only Chiefs fans, but observers of the NFL as well? There's a lot of reasons they've, they've been changing as the year has gone on. You know, the first month of the year, their defense couldn't stop anybody. The offense was operating at a historic rate outside of the turnovers, but the defense was unfortunately also operating at a historic rate. And so, uh, you know, there was a game early in the year, week three, where they played the Eagles. Nobody punted the ball. Um, I mean, it, was, it just kind of was that way. And now it's actually flipped. The last month of the year, now granted, the Chiefs have played Washington, the Giants, Jordan Love and the Packers, but they've been – Miles better defensively. A lot of that's because the change in personnel. Willie Gay, a second linebacker, has been phenomenal since he's come back from his toe injury to sideline for the first month. They, they've put in Nick Bolton much more, their rookie second linebacker, who's not great against the pass, but he's phenomenal against the run. They put in more Juan Thornhill. So defensively, they've actually gotten a lot better. Chris Jones back inside, Frank Clark now looking 100%. Uh, but it's been their offense the last month that has been MIA. And a lot of that has been. Uh, they they have been dealing with turnovers. Now, on on Sunday when they played the Packers, that was the first time they didn't turn the ball over since week one. Wow. Um, but but they have had issues, believe it or not, with Mahomes. He, he's mm. just he's not been he's not been bad. He just hasn't been him the last three weeks or so. And so I think right now the Chiefs' biggest and maybe their only real major problem is him. So you think at some point he snaps out of it? Is that tonight against the Raiders? Now, speaking about Mahomes, I've read Doug Farrier over at USA Today's Touchdown Wire. He believes Mahomes is just mostly having bad turnover luck, aside from the Packers game, as you mentioned. But some beat mm-hmm. reporters saying that he is struggling against two high-safety looks and the Chiefs aren't running the ball efficiently and effectively against that coverage. I hear the other take, which is ridiculous to me, that the NFL has finally figured him out. I think there are some times where he's pressing to compensate for a leaky defense before. As you said, the defense has improved recently. But he said in, in, in interviews in so many ways that sometimes he does press and he's going to take his shots. Where do you stand on those stakes, and what do you think is the biggest issue for Mahomes right now? So, so I don't think anybody's figured them out. I mean, I don't think they're going to figure out two Hall of Fame weapons, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and what has actually been a really, mm-hmm. really good offensive line. That has been the one in the play mm-hmm. with them from a positive side. Their offensive line has been tremendous. But I think, I think it's a couple things. You know, and he actually said on Wednesday – kind of surprised. He said it so bluntly. He said, look, now the defense is playing as well as it is. I'm not too worried if we have to punch football, whereas before I felt like if we punch mm-hmm. football, it's essentially going to be points. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think that was part of it, and I think part of it has been, look, they they have not been as effective getting open. You know, we've seen defenses play too high against them for years, and they, they've shredded too high in the past. But this season, a lot of teams, I know it really started with the Buffalo game, Teams are just taking Travis Kelsey out of the game. They're doubling him. They're, they're holding him. I mean, and look, and, and New England used to do this to Chiefs all the time, by the way. Anytime New England ever played the Chiefs, they did the strategy where they would just hold guys. And I'm not – look, that's not like a sour grape thing. It's just reality. They would hold them and basically say, look, call it. Go ahead and call it every play. We're going to hold them and hook them and try to tackle them inside the first five, seven yards. 
and you know he's been beat up a little bit. That's been part of it. McCall Hardman's been okay, but he, he he struggles to get open one on one at times. They haven't really integrated Josh Gordon, so it's been a lot of things. I know Kansas City. One of the biggest frustrations is they run the ball effectively when they run it, but they don't stick to it. So it it, mm. it always ends up being. You know, hey, like for an example against the Packers. First drive of the game, they ran the ball seven times to score a touchdown. The next two and a half quarters, they ran the ball five times. <laughs> like, it's just, it's mystified. They just won't do it. They're not patient enough to do it, and it's been something that's really hurt them this year. And what, is, what does Andy Reid say about that, though, Matt, when, when, when he's asked, if he is asked about the fact that they don't stick with that running game, even though it's effective? You know, the funny thing, he doesn't really get asked about it. It's, 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 you know what he does? It's a lot of like, well... You know, we felt that that was the best thing to do at the time, or that was the look we got. But teams, you know, usually, as you guys know, as I'm sure, although as long as anybody knows watching the NFL, <laughs> you, you, you're going to see different defenses every week by and large. You know, if you're, if you're Derek Carr going into a game against the Giants, you're going to get a different defense than you would going against Kansas City. The Chiefs see the same defense every single week. It is just too high, nobody blitzes, everybody drops. And they are give, and he, he will just give them happily give them six yards on the ground, eight yards underneath, but the Chiefs get impatient. And I think that and, and that's not just Mahomes. That's that's Eric Gennady, that's Andy Reid. I'm fascinated with the Raiders in this game because look, the Raiders blitz less than anybody. They play a ton of cover three with Gus Bradley. They're going to drop. They're going to play zone underneath. The Chiefs have not seen that. All, every team that has played the Chiefs essentially played a ton of man underneath. They play too high over the top. I'm very curious to see how this plays out with the Raiders giving them a much different look, albeit a look that the Chargers gave them over the years at Gus Bradley's air coordinator. Absolutely. So I, I've seen you railed about this on Twitter, and you briefly mentioned it. You touched on it a little bit about that offensive line, that revamped offensive line. Some people are pointed to it as an issue. I'm not in one of them. Collectively, yes, they had a, they had a rough day against the Titans. I get that. But overall, yeah. what have you seen yep. from that group? And do you think it's a foregone conclusion that Orlando Brown gets a big extension in next offseason? I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think it's likely. Um, they have to figure out where their money's going to go because they have him and Tyron Matthew, who both need to be extended if they're going to keep him there. I think there's a good shot one of them gets tagged, one of them gets the extension, and then they they either give Frank Clark a huge pay cut or they cut him. Anthony Hitchens is gone. He's not coming back next year. So they'll free up some money there. They don't need him. They've they gained it. Uh, excuse me, Dan Bolton. So yeah. um, look, the offensive line takes drives me nuts because if you cover the league – I really do believe, like, look, you're not going to catch every team, every game, every week. I understand that. But, Chiefs, I mean, if you watch the Chiefs, literally the, the Titans game was the only game that offensive line has not played well. But the rest of the, the year, they've been fantastic. I mean, I, I will tell you, if, if for anybody who's not familiar with watching the Chiefs this year, when they play on Sunday night, watch their first first overall, excuse me, their, he was their first pick, second round pick, at Creed Humphrey, their center at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. yep. who has been mm-hmm. – I've talked to some people in the league and other teams who feel like he could be a first-team all-pro this year. I mean, he has been just unbelievable. And then the right guard, Trey Smith, they took in the sixth round, who fell because of, he had some blood-clotting issues in Tennessee. He's been as good as Humphrey. So they, they have these two rookies inside with Joe Tooney, who, of course, they paid a record-setting deal to. The tackles have been a little less impressive. The, the interior has been tremendous, but Brown's been good. Uh, they've had Yang and Remmers both playing at right tackle this year. Both have been solid, although both are hurt. They might not play. Uh, it might it might be Andrew Wiley. If that happens, that is a very interesting matchup to watch. Max Crosby is having a defensive player of the year type season. Andrew Wiley is mediocre at best as a tackle. He's really supposed to be a guard. I would suspect that the Chiefs will double him constantly if that's the matchup.
Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Again, we're talking to Matt Verderam from Fansided. He covers the NFL, including the Chiefs. And, Matt, you talked about Creed Humphrey. You talked about Trey Smith. Of course, the other draft pick that's really shined for the Raiders out of that 21 – excuse me, for the Chiefs out of that 21 class is Nick Bolton. Um, this yep. team, this roster coming together, that defense – and I bring up Bolton there, too, because I know we talked about the defense a little earlier, but they, they start 2021 so dreadfully. Um, the pass rush has been – they have nine sacks. Uh, or excuse me, through nine games, 12 sacks. They trade with Pittsburgh yep. to go get uh, Melvin Ingram. Frank, Frank Clark is finally playing better the past few games. Has that defense in your mind turned the corner now? I think they have. Now, look, they have, they have become a beat. Nobody would confuse them with that. But I think right now they're playing at a level that would put them between like you know, 12 and 16 in the league. They it's, And really, look, it's, they've made a lot of changes. Like, early in the year in their secondary, Traveris Ward missed some time. He's now back. He's played very well. One of the big additions has been – well, not the addition, but really the change of, with third-year corner Rashad Fenton. He has come in, and he's always done a nice job in spot duty the first couple of years. But this year, he took over for Mike Hughes, who was atrocious throwing the season. They put Rashad Fenton in. Rashad Fenton, I think the pro football folks right now, is the number two-rated corner of football. He's been – a revelation for them. Elizarian Sneed has really played well in the second year. He came on strong as a rookie, followed that up. So that's been different. Another difference was they were playing Dan Sorensen 100% of the snaps early in the year, which was just a travesty. Oh, uh, my yeah. I mean, just an absolute <laughs> disaster. They, they benched him for the most part. He pretty much only plays third down packages, which is still too much, but it's, it's less than it was. Mm-hmm. And they put in Juan Thornhill. Thornhill struggles to tackle on space sometimes, but he's a really rangy, athletic center fielder type safety. And then as you mentioned, look, they, Nick Bolton, early in the year, they put him in the rundown to take him off the field. Then Anthony Hitchens got hurt, and Nick Bolton played for him and became the defensive rookie of the month. So they're not taking him off the field any day soon. Willie Day, like I mentioned earlier, he missed the first month of your turf toe. He's been back. He is their one linebacker who's been really covered. In fact, I think they're going to see a lot of him on Darren Waller in this game. Uh, obviously, of course, it's a match that there is to try to exploit. It's a match that the Chiefs medically gives them the best shot to cover him. So – I, I think look, Bolton has been excellent. He's good downhill. He's a thumper against the run. Kind of, he's kind of like a Denzel Perryman type, um, whereas, whereas Gay is more of a rangy, athletic, put him in coverage. He got, in fact, he has two picks over the last three weeks. So um, he's been very good in that regard. So I'm looking at this with this matchup, Matt, on the inside. The Raiders have some young interior linemen. And as you said, Chris Jones inside, that's going to be an issue. But what's going on with Jerron Reed? He, he was a high-end playmaker in Seattle. He asked for his his release, I believe. Goes to Kansas City, and he's basically yep. a, not a, he not an impact player. Is there a scheme fit problem with him? Like, what's going on there? It's a great question. I think they're all trying to figure that out. Um, look, I I sampled some some execs around the league before the season started. So, who are some under the radar guys who are signed or, or acquired this offseason who you think are going to make an impact? He was universally one of the answers. I know when the season mm-hmm. signed, they they felt like it was a steal, and he has been missing in action. I mean, they have not even seen Jerron. The last couple of weeks, with Jones back inside, he started to make an impact. He started to look better. He still is not doing what they thought he would be. But there at least are you know, three, four, five plays a game. You go, okay, you know, there's, there's a nice little flash by him. Well, I'm not exaggerating. The first six games of the year, I, I, I didn't see him once. I mean, it, they they were to the point where I actually thought they might just cut him. I mean, but wow. it, it's been he's, – he's gotten better. I think – Jones moving inside has transformed that whole defense line. They tried him outside. It's something they toyed about mentally, you know, for a while behind the scenes. I said, okay, we'll give it a shot. And the first game of the year, he had two sacks. So I think it was like, okay, well, he's 
he's fine there. Well, it turns out he's not fine there. And it also turns out that without him inside, they couldn't get the push they wanted to get. So now kicking him back in, look, they, you know, Derek Noddy rotation as well. He's more of a nose tackle type. He's a really good run stuffer. They use him on first and second downs. And all of a sudden, Frank Clark, who was kind of dealing with hamstring injuries and off the field stuff this offseason, he talked about a few weeks ago how maybe he wasn't in the right mental stage. Well, the last month of the year has been the best football he's ever played in Kansas City. I mean, he he has been constantly a force in this game. And, so, and now Melvin Ingram coming in against the Packers, first snap of his career with the Chiefs, he, he hit Jordan Love, almost forced the fumble. He... He's going to be important for them. He does not have to be their top pass rusher, but he's got to be a factor. He was against the Packers. We'll see if he can be against the Raiders. So, Matt, this game, obviously, any time the Chiefs and Raiders play, it's a big game because they don't like each other. It goes back way, way long time ago, uh, early early AFL days, all that jazz. Uh, but this year, you have a, a Raiders team with all the turmoil they've had off the field uh, with losing <clears throat> their coach, all of that, yet they sit at 5-4. At, at and four. Then you have the Chiefs uh, sitting there as well um and five and three i should say and the chiefs sitting at five and four it seems to me like this game tonight here in las vegas is going to be kind of you know uh, it'll it'll set the course for either team whether or not i know it's somewhat early in the season but still uh whatever happens in this game i think can propel a team to really start to make that run for a late season get things on back on track whereas the team that loses especially depending how they lose uh might struggle and and start to look on the outside in and the AFC playoff race. I totally agree. I think it's the biggest game of the year for both teams. Mm-hmm. And I think Kansas City, this has been a game that I know, you know, it's been like, look, if we can, if we can take care of business at home here against the Giants Packers, we go to Vegas tonight, this is a game we got to win. And if you're the Raiders, you're looking at this thing going, all right, look, we lost the Giants. We had a rough week. A lot of things going on, obviously, more important than football. And I come back. This is a game they have to win. I mean, I think I think whoever loses, look, could they still make the playoffs? Sure. Could they still win the division? Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, but this is a game where if Kansas City wins, if you look at the rest of their schedule, it gets a lot easier. I mean, the Chiefs have just played a gauntlet all year long. Every single game, it felt like they've been playing teams that's either really good or like capable in the game. It's used up a little bit recently, like I mentioned, with some of the teams they've played, but um, – you know, after this, they, they play Dallas, which is tough. Then they go it's, uh, at Arrowhead. Then they go on a bye. Then they come out of that, and it's the Broncos at home, the Raiders at home, tough, but it's at home at least. Then they you know, they finish up with you know another matchup with Denver. They play Pittsburgh at home. The Bengals who are suddenly reeling. I mean, it's, it's not it's not a schedule that you look at and say, oh, the Chiefs are probably going to really struggle. Um, if they win this game, they could really start rolling, especially if the home comes out of his funk. On the flip side, if you're the Raiders and you win this game, you get up on the Chiefs a game and a half, okay, you still have to go to Arrowhead. But now at least you've got that cushion. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, the Chargers, they're hard to figure. Yeah. I and mean, I look at the Chargers, and every week I look at them and think, well, they could win, or they could lose. <laughs> I mean, they, they never, you know, I, mean, I looked at that Eagles game and sat there and stared at it for 20 minutes, couldn't figure out what the result was going to be. I look at this game against Minnesota this weekend, so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that game, who knows how it's going to play out. So, you know, and then Denver, look, Denver, give them credit for the Dallas loss. I still think they're the worst team in the division. But it's going to be a fight, and whoever wins this game on, on Sunday Night Football is going to have a big advantage over the other one as we head down the stretch. I totally agree with that. But you follow this team day to day. Do you sense a heightened urgency noticing that they could fall a 5-5 five and five and be last place in the AFC West so close to Thanksgiving? Or is there a feeling that, oh, we're going to just turn it on and turn, it, turn this around and have a good season? I think the sense of urgency around them changed after they got destroyed by Tennessee. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. early in the year, it almost felt, and I, I talked a lot about this on my podcast, and I do Stack in the Box, it's National, and Arrowhead Addict, which of course is Chiefs. And I, I, I really railed against them after that Titans game. So it feels like there's no accountability. They just don't have mm-hmm. any urgency. There's no, hey, we've got to win this game. We've got to figure this out. I mean, even earlier in the year, you know, they lose on a, on a, a fumble at the end of the game, the Baltimore game, they should have won. Then they, they play the Chargers at Arrowhead in week three, and they Speaking of monsters, a bunch of picks, they fumbled the ball. I mean, if you go back and watch that game, the Chiefs should have won that game by two touchdowns. And they lost because they beat themselves the entire afternoon. Then they get walloped by Buffalo. And I thought, okay, that's the game. That's the game. Sometimes Buffalo they killed by the Bills at home. That's going to get them going. And even that, after the game, they were just kind of like, oh, it's all right. We'll figure it out. And I think that speaks to, look, they, they have so much experience. They've been to all these huge spots. They've won a Super Bowl. Like, they, they just always believe We'll, we'll figure it out. But after that Titans game, when they got beat the way they got beat, I think that was a game that they said, okay, you know, we've got to look inward a little bit. You heard more of that in the press conferences. Since then, the defense has really stepped up. The offense has actually struggled quite a bit. But um, I would be – look, they may lose this game. They may win. We're going to find out. I would be very surprised if the Chiefs don't come out firing in this game. I think this is a game where it's the Raiders. It's Raiders. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's something that if they come out and they're dead in this game, then I think they're just broken. I, I, but I, I don't think they will be. I think they will come out with a purpose. But is it enough? I don't know. To this point, you know, the Raiders have outplayed the Chiefs. There's no two ways about that. Like, the only reason the Chiefs are favored is because Vegas, the, the, the books don't want to take a bath if Mahomes just goes out of his mind in this game. But right. The, the Chiefs, if you think this by the games we've seen this year, the Raiders should be favored in this game. I mean, just, the Raiders play better, but it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, and having sat in the stands uh, in the press box and watched the game last year in Las Vegas with the Chiefs, um, I anticipate something similar. I, I, I do anticipate that these teams will score against one another if they come out and they're both firing on all cylinders, like you said, Matt. All right, there you go. Matt Verderam from Fanside and NFL. He's also uh, uh, covers the Chiefs with the the podcast there that you can listen to, which I'm sure no Raider fans will do, but no no offense to you, Matt. Matt you, know, you know how they feel I, about Raiders fans. <laughs> Just like no Chiefs fans are going to listen to this show, most likely. Uh, but we certainly appreciate the work you do, and we appreciate you spending time with us tonight. Appreciate yeah, no you, Matt. problem, guys. Anytime. All right, there you go. Matt Verderam, fan side at NFL. All right, Mo, great, great guest, man. Matt's, uh, it's good to know. He knows the Chiefs. He knows the Raiders, too. And, and I think he's right. I think this game will be huge, huge tonight at Allegiant Stadium for both these teams. This is where uh, the rubber meets the road. It's a big AFC West game, but both these teams looking to find that right track to get back on to. Yeah, quick quick note about Matt. He's also a Knicks fan, so Raiders fans be easy oh, on him. No. That's where we have our Poor common guy. ground. Poor Matt's guy. from New York, and he's a Knicks <laughs> fan, so that's where we meet in the middle. Matt's a, Matt's a great dude. He's just, a, he's just a Chiefs guy, but he's a great dude. But, yes. <laughs> I'm a fan of one Nick, by the way. <laughs> Walt Frazier, Walt Frazier, Southern Illinois yeah. University. He's a Saluki. Anyway, go ahead. No, sorry. Oh, so, God. so Matt was making the point. No, but Matt had a lot of great points there. He kind of broke down everything from the Chiefs from the negative to the positive. And I thought what stuck out to me is that he said this is the biggest game between these two teams because, as we've even said, you know, if a loss could send either of these two teams into a, sale, a tailspin, 
a win could propel either of these two teams into the playoff picture and you look at them saying okay they figure it out because both teams have had the issues this season different different issues but both teams have struggled and been up and down so you figure this game could be a momentum boost whoever wins it and however they win it i, I don't think it's we're going to see a blow either way i think this is going to be a close game because both teams understand the importance of this game and what it means for their playoff future but I don't think we're going to see a sloppy Chiefs team against the Raiders, and I don't think we're going to see a lethargic Raiders team against the Chiefs. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. I agree 100%. They're going to both be fired up tonight at Allegiant Stadium. The city's already electric. Everybody's going to be excited for this one in the teams. Uh, I don't anticipate Patrick Mahomes coming out and looking flat. I think he's going to look on fire. I think Derek Carr, uh, after last week and what happened in New York, he's going to be focused, and, and what we've heard from him out of the press conferences this week indicates that. Well, we got to say goodbye to Mo today. Mo's got to go cover the rest of the league so mo thanks for being with us and for for uh, asking the great questions of matt we will talk to you on the show next week again hopefully it's after a win because <laughs> i i can't stomach another loss another raiders <laughs> loss because if, if if the losses start to pile up you know how social media gets oh it yes gets nuts. it's already nuts and then it gets just even crazier it's like uh, it's like the apocalypse with zombies running around uh, all right oh, yeah. there you go mo moton make sure you follow him on twitter at m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n he is a national writer over at Bleacher Report, also contributes up on VegasSportsToday.com as well. We're going to step aside here on Silver and Black Today Game Day. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show talking about the game later uh, down at Allegiant Stadium and my thoughts on that. Where will it go? How will it end up? We're going to give you our thoughts here on Silver and Black Today Game Day. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. Raider Nation is fired up. It's Silver and Black Today Game Day. Welcome back. Home stretch here on Silver and Black Today Game Day, only on the fan in Las Vegas. Hope you're listening to us live on the Odyssey app. If you don't have it, make sure you get it on your smartphone. You can listen to us anywhere. I'm getting emails and texts from our listeners all over the country as usual. So make sure you do that. I appreciate you guys being with us here. And again, thank you to Matt Verderam from Fansided, the national NFL reporter who joined us in the last segment, as well as my co-host Mo Moten, who's on to covering the day's games with the NFL. And uh, he had to leave us uh, after the second segment. But uh, as always, Mo's here on the show every week with me as well. So now we get down to the nitty gritty, and that is the Raiders and the Chiefs later tonight down at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, the City Electric Sunday Night Football as national coverage in the national game of the week comes to Las Vegas yet again. Of course, you've had the Monday Night Footballs here this year, and then now Sunday Night Football, Al Michaels and the gang in town, uh, Chris Collinsworth to do the Raider game. And I'll tell you what, we mentioned it with with, with the guests, with Matt Verderam, and also Mo and I talked about it earlier in the show, and that this game is huge. I mean, it's always huge. I know what you're saying, Raider Nation. It's the Chiefs. You hate the Kansas City Chiefs. We go back to the Phil Villapiano prayer, if you remember from our Silver and Black Today show uh, on, our, on our sister station, 1140, back a couple years ago, we had Phil on, and he said he wanted to teach the kids of Las Vegas the, the, the Raider prayer, and that was, Our Father who art in heaven, I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. So we all know how Raider fans feel about the entire AFC West. But that Chiefs and Broncos, it's you know, it's different. Yeah, you hate the Chargers too, but the Chiefs and the Broncos, especially this Chiefs team recently having won a Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, all that stuff, okay, is big. Of course, the Raiders last year, they go 
They go to Arrowhead and they win. Derek Carr had been criticized, not able to win at Arrowhead Stadium. He does it. They have a great game. Then they come back to Las Vegas in the empty, empty Allegiant Stadium. Thank you, COVID-19. And they lose that heartbreaker to the Chiefs last year. Patrick Mahomes does what he does. Now, he hasn't done that this year. He hasn't been the same quarterback. But I think that's primarily just stuff hasn't been open. Teams have played him effectively. That's what the Raiders are going to have to do. The Raiders are going to have to rush for, as they've done all year successfully, and create that. Because the moment that you blitz, and, and we know Gus Bradley doesn't do that, but the moment you blitz, you're going to give Patrick Mahomes holes in your defense, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to take advantage of those, and he's going to score on you. He's going to find Tyreek Hill. He's going to find uh, McCall Hardman. He's going to find one Mr. Travis Kelsey. So the Raiders are going to have to keep them contained. The Raiders are going to have to use that defense how they have been, and Gus Bradley stick with his normal game plan. I think Yannick Ngakwe has another big game. I think Max Crosby is going to be fired up for this puppy. I think Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe are going to have a hell of a tag team uh, with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes tonight down at Allegiant. So, so that's going to be a big one. And I just think, too, if you look at this game, Raiders 5-3, and three, Chiefs 5-4. and four. Supremacy in the AFC West. Tiebreakers in the AFC West. Tiebreakers in the AFC. The Raiders have already done very well with that, winning in the conference. Of course, they're 0-2 in the division thus far. But at the same time, they're, they're, from an AFC perspective, they're great. So from a playoff perspective, that's the other thing. The Raiders, with all that they've been through off the field, Coach, Ruggs, Arnett, Cut, all of these things happening, what they need is they need that big win at home. If you're the Raiders at 5-3 and three, and you have the Chiefs in your house on national TV, of all the drama you've had around your locker room, the drama you've had around your front office, the drama you've had around your owner, what do you do? You go out and you win the football game. That's what you do. So I think the Raiders are going to be fired up for this one. I think the Raiders win this game. I'm not saying that because I'm doing a Raiders show. You guys know. I'll pick the team that I think is really going to win. But I do think that it's a must win. I know must win and all that, and you can say there's no such thing as a must win, but I'm telling you, this team needs this win. This team should win this game because right now and so far in 2021, they are better than the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care about Patrick Moore. I don't care about Travis Kelsey. You got Derek Carr on a pace to break Peyton Manning's record or at least come close to it from a passing yards perspective, okay? You have Darren Waller. He can match Travis Kelsey. You have the defense better. Yeah, they're not a top 10 or elite defense. They're better than the Chiefs defense. Come on now. And what the odds makers say, I get it, but I'm just telling you, the Raiders will win this game. It's going to be close. It might not seem like they're going to win at times, but I really believe that this team emotionally, after the last two weeks, they're ready now to turn it over. Just like they were after the Gruden incident, and they were able to come back out, win that game in Denver for Rich Passaccia in his first game. I really think you're going to see Derek Carr go back to what he was doing a couple weeks ago. 
I really believe you'll see Josh Jacobs run the ball effectively. I really believe Hunter Renfro will get involved with this game. I really believe Kenyon Drake will do what he's been doing, and I told you he would. That's right, I told you so. Okay? Not only that, but I think Deshaun Jackson will play a factor in the game. Yes, it's his first game. Yes, he's still learning the playbook. Yes, he's 34 years old, but he's fast. He stretches the field. Derek Carr needs that. Then he can hit all of the other players I mentioned. So Deshaun Jackson matters. He was the right guy, the right fit for this team, as Mo said earlier. Okay? So that's going to happen. On defense, I told you about the two guys up front. We're going to have to see that defensive backfield play well. Tyreek Hill, he'll get, his, he'll get his. Travis Kelsey, he'll get his most likely. But if the Raiders can contain them enough, and if the Raiders' offense is clicking on all cylinders like it has earlier in the year, they will win this game. And I'm taking them. I'm taking them by a field goal. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout or anything, but I think the Raiders win this game by three points later tonight as you're all celebrating on the Las Vegas Strip or walking back from the game. It's going to be fun. All right, well, listen, for my co-host, Mo Moten, for our guest, Matt Verderam from NFL's uh, uh, fan side, and I wanted to thank all of you for being with us here on Silver and Black Today Game Day. Make sure you follow us at SNB Tonight on Twitter. I am at LV Gully. And enjoy the game tonight, Raider Nation. You deserve it. We will be back here next Sunday at 9 a.m., 4 a.m. on the East Coast for the early birds talking Raiders football. Take care, Raider Nation. Appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. 